Welcome to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Dr. Morgan Anderson, clinical psychologist, relationship coach, love expert, creator of the ESL relationship method, and athletic wear connoisseur. My mission is to help you raise your self-worth, have great relationships, and step confidently into the next level of your life. Each week, two episodes will air featuring expert advice, live coaching, and tips showing you exactly how to improve your life and attract great relationships. You deserve to feel empowered, secure, and loved. So buckle up and let's get vulnerable. Are you tired of investing your time and your energy into relationships that go nowhere and you know deep down the common denominator is you. You have awareness that whatever you're doing right now in relationships is not working, it's not serving you, and you are ready to take ownership of this area of your life and finally learn how to embody a securely attached, confident woman who can attract a great relationship. If that's you, I have a very special invitation I want to invite you to apply to the Empowered, Secure, and Loved program. This is a program designed to help you no matter your attachment style, no matter your relationship past, it will help you move to secure attachment so that you can show up confident, you can communicate well, you can navigate any kind of conflict, and you can create that relationship that you've always wanted while simultaneously having high self-worth and high levels of self-love. If that's you and you know that in 2022, you are ready for a great relationship and you're committed to getting there, I want to personally invite you to apply to the ESL program Use the link in my Instagram bio. On Instagram, it's at Dr. Morgan Coaching, Dr. Morgan Coaching, and the link is also in the show notes. Spots are extremely limited, so go apply now to reserve your spot and start your journey to high self worth and great relationships. Welcome, everyone, to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Morgan, and we have a very special guest with us. Michael Kay, who is head of global communications at OkCupid, one of the world's largest dating apps where he leads PR programming in the United States and for countries across Europe, the Middle East, and Oceania. He was previously a product communications manager at LinkedIn, and before that, the senior global communications manager at OkCupid. Welcome, Michael. So excited to have you. Thank you so much for having me. It's so fun to be a listener and now a guest here. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, I just love to get to know my guests a little bit and learn about their story. Can you tell us what led you to this position at OkCupid and why why an interest in dating and just kind of how, how you got here? Yeah, absolutely. So I've been working in PR for over eight years now since I graduated college. And I spent a little over five years on the agency side, 
But during the spring of 2019, someone slid into my DMs on LinkedIn and I checked it out and they were the head of marketing at OkCupid. They asked if I'd be open to having a conversation about a role opening up on the team. And I figured, why not? I had never thought about working for a dating app before, but helping people find love around the world seemed like a pretty exciting gig. So had the conversation, joined the company, been here for three years now, and it's been the absolute best time ever, um, especially as someone who found success themselves on a dating app. You know, I met my boyfriend online and I was in the closet prior to that. So he's actually the first date I've ever been on. And over eight years later, we are still together. I think it's partly because we have such a good story that I'm like, I refuse to let you break up with me because I want this to be our story. <laughs> wow. I love that. Thank you for sharing that with us and how powerful that must have been for you to take that step and go on a date and then really build something meaningful over eight years with someone. So congratulations. That's, that's a beautiful story. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. He jokes that I originally ghosted him, which I did because I was too nervous to go on a date, but I'm happy I got over that and apologized for ghosting. Oh my gosh. I love it. We, we have so much we could talk about. Right. Um, so in having a dating app, be part of your own personal story. And obviously, I mean, we can just talk about how it's a part of so many people's stories. I'm sure you know the stats on it, but like, what is it about your work that feels purpose-driven to you or meaningful? Like, tell us what you enjoy about your role. Yeah. Um, well, I think just to highlight that idea of purpose that you just mentioned, um, OkCupid is really the only mission values-driven dating app in the world we match people on what matters to them through thousands of in-app questions. So yes, it's absolutely fun and sexy to be working at a dating app, but we're connecting people not only because they have a mutual attraction and they fit you know, the different preferences that people are setting, but we're matching people because they are two people that believe climate change is real or they support the Black Lives Matter movement or they think voting in your local and midterm elections are sexy. So there's a part of my role that feels like we are really helping people have really important conversations about what's happening culturally, politically, and socially in their own countries. Um, so it's that perfect balance of you know a really fun, dating app that we're working at, but also one that is um, really speaking to everything that's really top of mind for myself, but also Gen Z and millennial daters, because we're a platform for the most progressive generations in our history right now. Yeah, that's so interesting. Can you talk to us more about like, is there research around people wanting to have those conversations more than ever before? Like what's, what's the latest on that? 
Yeah, absolutely. So when you think about the generational differences when it comes to dating and relationships, I don't know about you, but my parents have been together. Next year will be 60 years. Um, So quite a long time. My mother is a lifelong Democrat. My father is a lifelong Republican. We don't really see that anymore. They would never talk about politics on a date. I rarely remember them talking about politics in the home. So unlike our parents' generation, politics is something that we are talking about right now. You know, almost 10 million people on OkCupid said, yes, I like to discuss politics with my romantic partner. So that's something that they just have to get behind. And that's a really big change from previous generations. And we're seeing young daters really lead the charge here. You know, more than half of Gen Z and millennial daters on OkCupid said that they prefer that their date share the same political views as them. And more than 2 million Gen Z and millennial daters on our platform said, I will absolutely never date someone who has an opposing political view to mine. So if we think about our parents and our grandparents who would never talk about this on a, on a date, we're now seeing young daters not even willing to match with someone if their values do not align. So let alone going out on the date, they're screening profiles for this information. Mm, This is fascinating. So wouldn't you say that our political landscape has contributed to this as the, you know, the parties have become very polarizing Um, so there's obviously that impact, but then also other impacts probably about what really matters to people in their relationships. And probably now I'm just brainstorming, right? But I guess, um, with dating apps, it gives us that beautiful freedom of choice and just the possibility of just widening up our, you know, the net that we're casting. Whereas our parents was like, okay, Johnny, who went to your high school is like your option, you know? So, I mean, this is fascinating how the dating preferences has changed over time. Yeah. And, and to your point, there was a really big spike. I mean, this has been a trend we've been seeing for over five years, but without a doubt, there was a huge, huge spike in this um, after the 2016 election. What we saw on our app was that Trump was a major, major, major dating deal breaker for people on OkCupid. Um, And since the pandemic has happened, um, what we've been seeing more recently, so over the last year or two, is that this isn't really only about politics. It's not that Democrats are looking for other Democrats and Republicans are looking for other Republicans. Daters are really focusing more on the issues that are at stake versus the political party you're affiliated with. So they want to know if you believe climate change is real, if you support the Black Lives Matter movement, if you believe women have the right to choose what to do with their bodies, if you support marriage equality. Those are really the biggest deal breakers and deal makers for daters right now. Oh, this is so fascinating to me. I was having to laugh a little bit because I'm thinking how many presidents could have that title of a dating deal breaker? Like not many. (laughs) It's rare. Um, But no, I love the 
and you know, it's a values conversation, right? It's like, what are your values? Can I align with your values? And having an, an app like OkCupid where that conversation is upfront, um, I think makes it easier, obviously, to go through the screening process and even just to have that conversation. Totally. And not to bash any dating apps out there, because I do think every dating app serves a purpose. Um, But for us, we really do go so far beyond a couple of photos and your location. Um, And we really make you work at it to get on OkCupid. And, And that's by design. So when you create a profile, you don't just add your name and a photo and start seeing people. We make you fill out all these preferences on your profile, you have to fill out profile prompts and we make you answer at least 15 of our matching questions. And most people go on to answer dozens and dozens more because they're actually so fun to answer. Um, But we really want to make sure that, you know, we're all so busy. And if you're going to agree to go meet up with someone for coffee or drinks or whatever it is, we want to make it worth your while. So we really want to spend that time to give you more quality matches that you are more compatible with versus like a bunch of people that you don't really have anything in common with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is just that piece of how to use a dating app to make it worthwhile. Um, And I don't know about you, Michael, but I remember when dating apps first came out, Like I remember like the birth of Tinder, at least that was the first one I knew about. And it was interesting. I think in the very, very, and I feel old saying that by the way, but I think in the very, very beginning of dating apps, people actually would almost give it a little bit more effort or like really like be intentional with it because it was new and it was this new thing. But then now let's talk about, I mean, people can feel so overwhelmed. You were saying this, that on average, people have like five dating apps at once. And it's so easy to just have these connections that feel like they go nowhere. You're like pen pals with a person. Um, So just what would be your advice, given all your knowledge and experience, um, of how, how do people make the dating apps actually work for them and get the most out of using the dating apps as a tool? Totally great question. Um, I have four main tips that are really my go-to and they focus on your profile because that's absolutely the most important thing is spending time to create a profile that's really going to work for you. And my first tip is always don't just rely on yourself. Ask your friends for help. So think about it. We are always asking our friends about, you know, does this caption sound good for this post on Instagram? Or do you think this tweet is funny? Um, I have asked so many people for help reviewing my resume or my LinkedIn profile. So, you know, we're always asking people for support or guidance or feedback. So why wouldn't you do that for a dating app? It also takes some pressure off of you and your friends probably know you, your friends or your family better than you know yourself. They might describe you as quirky and funny and um, a prankster. And those are things that people want to know about you when they're looking at your profile. Um, And I always tell people to be positive 
with everything you're writing in your profile prompt. So a lot of friends come to me and they ask me to review their profiles on all their different dating apps. And I have to admit, the biggest turnoff for me is seeing someone constantly writing in swipe left if insert anything into that blank. Um, So instead of focusing on what your deal breakers are, try to highlight your deal makers. So what makes you swipe right on someone? Why do you want someone to swipe right on you? Those are the things that you should really be shining a light on. You know, you want to bring positivity into your profile because no one wants someone who is super negative and, um, you know, immediately being like, if you don't have a master swipe left or if you're not six foot swipe left or whatever it is, it's such a big turnoff. I want to add to this because I do dating profile review as part of our empowered secure love program. It's one of my favorite things. People will show me their dating profile, give them feedback. And it's just what you're saying is I'll have to tell people you don't want to focus on what you don't want. You want to focus on what you do want and what is important to you. Um, And even those like sarcastic kinds of sentences or like, if you want to play games, look elsewhere, like the things that are so defensive up front, they're already setting a tone of you're not really open to love. Like there, you're like, you got your walls up. Right. Um, so I, I love, I love this point so much. And it's one I see all the time as well. Yeah. I mean, and also think about how others are going to read what you write. You know, you have to be really mindful of that in, in every part of your life. I have a coworker who will slack me and we are best friends, but she doesn't use emojis often and she doesn't use exclamation points. And sometimes I'm like, oh, are you mad at me? Did I do something? And they're like, no, what are you talking about? So I've learned, especially over the pandemic, when we had been relying more on texting and slacking and emailing to be really mindful of how I'm writing different messages. Um, Another tip, which I'm sure you share with um, everyone you speak to for uh, your profile reviews is use different kinds of photos. So I don't want to see five selfies in a row, definitely not five selfies of you wearing the same thing. Um, I want you to upload a photo of you at a Taylor Swift concert or upload of a photo of you on your last vacation. Think about your photos in a couple different ways. They should showcase what you're interested in, what you enjoy doing, what your hobbies are, but they also help serve as a conversation starter. People get so tripped up on that first message and hey, hi, hello, just really don't do it. But if I'm scrolling through someone's photos and I see that they were at a concert of an artist I like, I'm immediately going to ask them what their favorite album was. Or if I see them on a you know tropical vacation, I'll ask them, hey, what's your next trip? Or where are you interested in going? And it starts a conversation that's based on an interest that you already know that they have. Mm-hmm. I love it so much. Yeah. And we have to go beyond the, hey, how, how are you? We have to really try to connect with people to show that genuine interest. So I, I love that point too, of telling people when you're doing a conversation starter, 
how can you connect to what you've seen in their profile? Yeah. Um, photos. Oh, and then my last tip is thinking about your checklist and being a little bit more mindful with this. Um, you know, everyone has their checklist of three, five, 10, whatever it is, um, the things that they want in a partner. And it's really important to know what you're looking for. I think that's great that people have that figured out. But I encourage people to take that checklist and break it into two sections. What's your must-haves on that list? And what are your nice-to-haves? And let's maybe back those nice-to-haves to the side for a minute and really just focus on your non-negotiables. Those are what you should be looking for. You know, I love Harry Potter and Taylor Swift, but I do not need my boyfriend to be as big of a fan as me. That's a nice to have. I'm Jewish. He's Catholic. And neither of us are super religious. So that's not an issue either. We work together and we've worked together for so long because we're aligned on what those must-haves were. We both want to live in New York. We both want to have two children. We both find traveling really important. Those were the items that were on my must-have list. And I never really paid too close of attention to my nice-to-haves because they just proved to not be as important. Such a good point. Yeah, I'll talk with my clients about this and I'll say you have to get clear on what your non-negotiables are. Um, and then I often think that people have ones that they think are non-negotiables, but they're, they're nice to haves, right? Like they, they mix those things up and everybody's non-negotiable should be someone who is, you know, open, honest, direct, and someone who wants to actually build a relationship. I think people forget how important that is. <laughs> like you have to have somebody that actually wants to show up and do the work in the relationship. That's actually more important than the two of you sharing your, your love for Harry Potter as an example. Right. So. Totally. I mean, that's something I've learned from my parents. They, they're from an older generation. I'm very quick backstory. I'm adopted by my grandparents, which is why they're a little bit older. I've been married 60 years, but they always used to say that, I mean, they're still alive. They always said that um, people, they felt people gave up too easily right now. Um, and it's why if my boyfriend and I argue, probably because he was wrong about something, um, <laughs> we don't just break up. We talk through it. Um, yeah. And it's because I think we're aligned on those must-haves and we've we have a strong foundation but you're going to have cracks and that's yeah. totally okay yeah that's where my work comes in and we yeah. help people create secure attachment and create that emotional safety in the relationships but it's true that if those non-negotiables and those core things are lined up you have that foundation to work through anything um i love the tips you shared I want to go back to the what about photos because I forgot to share um, one I love is you cannot have all of your photos have sunglasses pictures or like where you're looking away because I know that's very like chic or cool, but there's so much research on we actually just want to let people see our eyes like eyes are the window to the soul. Um and there's actually research to link people with sunglasses and looking away that they're 
could be emotionally unavailable. So if you have an anxious attachment style, you might be really attracted to them, but that's not necessarily good. You want to be able to see people's eyes. Yeah, no, I I love that tip. And building off of like what photos to use, a group shot is fine, but limit it to maybe one and don't include it in your first photo. Um, Think about all the options people have on these dating apps. And when I'm helping friends swipe, if the first photo is a group photo of you and your friends, I do not want to spend time trying to figure out who you are, which person it is. So highlight you. This is all about you. It's definitely fine to include friends and family, especially if, you know, that's really important to you, but leave them to the back of the album. That's so helpful. We've all had that experience where you're like, okay, which one is he? I have no idea, right? Like, it's so annoying. So where's Waldo? We don't (laughs) do that on a dating app. No, 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 no. All good tips. Um, It's so funny. I, you know, I haven't been on the apps in a while. I'm, I'm also in a really great partnership, but I'm thinking back to when I was in Montana. Um, and that was quite a different experience for me versus being in San Diego. Um, and there was, there was a lot of differences in core values there too. And how people were talking about their values. Um, but I think like one of the things I ran into, which I want to just see what you would say is I definitely would experience dating app fatigue where it's like, I'm done. I don't want to be on this. Like, I've seen all of the people in my area because it's a rural area. What do you tell people when they get to that place of like, ah, don't do the apps? (laughs) I say that's okay. If you're not in the mindset to date right now, don't date. Like every experience in life, you really need to go into this with a very positive attitude from when you're filling out your dating app profile all the way to when you're going out on an actual date and dating can be exhausting and that's okay. And we always recommend, it sounds funny because we work at a dating app, but we always tell people, if you don't want to date right now, don't date, enjoy your life, spend time with friends, spend time with family, go out with your coworkers, come back to the apps when you are actually ready to dedicate that time because otherwise it could be exhausting. It's the same behavioral patterns we sometimes see with social media. There are moments where like, I cannot even go into the bathroom without being on Instagram. And there's other days where I'm like, oh, I cannot even look at this right now. I just need a break. Um, So like everything in life, if you need a break, absolutely take a break. We, you know, the apps will always be there for you to come back to. Absolutely. Yes. I talk about how, you know, energy is everything. And if you're in that energy of, oh my gosh, this is so annoying. I hate this. I don't want to be on the dating app. And then you're swiping with that energy. You're actually not going to connect with the right people. So exactly what you're saying, protect your energy, make sure that it feels really aligned, that you can feel somewhat excited about it, right? And open-minded and then engage in the dating apps. Yeah, you don't want to give off a bad vibe. I mean, I, I see it happen to me sometimes too. If, you know, friends made plans and we're going out to a bar and 
I'm going back and forth in my head where I'm like, oh, I'm just so exhausted from the work week. I really don't want to go here, but I'll go anyway. And guess what? When I get there, I'm not that fun to be around. I'm kind of a Debbie Downer. And that's not the energy you want to bring. Yeah. You don't want to be showing up with resentment. Yeah. A hundred percent. I love this advice so much. I think people really need to hear this and that it's okay to take a break. Absolutely. I also tell people you can create routines that are sustainable, just like you would with the gym. So I think like we'll go on like dating app binges where we're on the apps for like six hours over the weekend. You'd actually be better served if you did 30 minutes a day, like really make it sustainable so you can play the long game and you don't burn yourself out over it. And that's also going to help your conversations move along better too because if you're going on it let's like what you said six hours on a sunday you might be starting all these conversations but when these people are trying to make plans with you on monday tuesday wednesday and you're ignoring them because you're not on the app they're going to make plans with other people and by the time you come back they might be seeing someone already yeah or you're just like so annoyed that they're talking to you and you ghost them and then you feel bad about it like it's this horrible cycle Yes, I'm not speaking from experience, but you know, I am actually, but (laughs) yeah. And I think, so I, it's funny. I just did an episode on ghosting, um, a while ago and I was talking about how we experience ghosting when we have high self-worth versus when we have low self-worth and that when we're ghosted with high self-worth, we can just say, okay, I learned about this person. No big deal. I'm moving on. I have healthy dating mindset. But if we get ghosted um, and we're experiencing some lower self-worth, we're going to really internalize it and create a story that it means something about who we are, what we're offering. Um, I I love that. I was just talking about this with a friend um, who met someone on a dating app. They had um, a date or two. And when I talked to them about how that date went, they were like, it's fine. You know, I'm not super excited, but it wasn't anything that bad. And then they got ghosted. And after that moment, it was like, it was almost as if they lost the love of their life. And I saw them tearing up and I was like, stop it. You literally said this wasn't anything special, but it's the fact that they have decided to move on. That's upsetting you. It's not about the person. So don't take it personally because you're amazing and it's their loss and just move on. And they were like, wait a minute, you're, you're actually totally right. And they were fine from that moment forward. You're so right. Yeah. It could be a lot about the stories we tell ourselves around rejection Mm -hmm. instead of the actual quality of the relationship. And what we're actually feeling into is all of our rejection wounds and when we experience rejection in the present, we oftentimes connect it to all those past experiences. And then that's what makes it so, so painful because it connects to this story about us not being good enough. Um, I've heard you talk about that before and it resonated so much with me. I I mentioned that I was adopted, um, which for me translates to, you know, your parents didn't want you. That's how I think about it. And I remember years ago, I bought my boyfriend something for Christmas and it was a sweater or something and it didn't fit. We had to get a new size. That 
little scenario made me so upset. And he was like, I don't know why you're reacting this way. And I was like, I don't like making mistakes in my relationships. And he was like, do you really think because you got me a wrong size sweater that I am going to break up with you? And I was like, okay, it doesn't sound rational to you, but it goes back to this fear of if I do something wrong, the people in my life will leave. And when I heard you talk about that, I was like, oh my God, I I get it. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's a really important thing to bring up. And we, you know, we haven't talked about adoption on this podcast really, but I know that just by having that experience, there can be that narrative of, you know, it wasn't good enough in some way, or um, yeah, there was something that I did that was wrong. You know, I'm not wanted, et cetera. Um, But it's so important to challenge that narrative and re basically rewire your belief system. Right. Um, and I'm glad you have a partner that really offers you that reassurance in the moment and helped you rewrite that story. Um, but yeah, thanks for sharing that with us. Yeah, of course. It sounds like you two have really healthy communication. And now we're just total different tangent. But do you feel like you're able to ask for the reassurance you need and you guys, you know, you have healthy, open, honest communication? Yes. I, but with everything, I think it's a journey. You know, we communicate very different differently. Um, I watched my parents and what their communication styles were. And I mentioned they've been married almost 60 years. So they're obviously so in love with each other, but my dad has a temper and I would see him get so mad about the littlest things and blow up. And then within seconds, he's fine. But my mom was in the aftermath of his destruction, um, which I'm using much bigger words. Like it was literally just a verbal argument. Um, But she would then be upset. And he was like, because he was over it, he felt she should be over it. Um, and I would always think, no, you know, you said things that were, you know, kind of hurtful and you need to, um, just learn how to communicate better. So when my boyfriend and I argue, I'm so mindful of the words that I say. So he's the type of person where it's like, we're arguing about something. Let's squash it immediately. I'm not like that. I am so cautious about everything I say to him because you really can't take back words. People don't forget them. Um, So if I get mad about something, I need to go to another room. I might take 10 minutes and I'm ready to talk about it. It might take an hour. I might want to talk about this the next day. And we've gotten in a much better place where we meet in the middle now when it comes to communication. He knows like, okay, clearly you need a moment. Like you can go figure it out and then come back to me because I do an exercise in my head where I think about why I'm angry or upset about the scenario, what I think is really causing it and what I want to communicate about that to my partner. And I just need to do that for myself. And he always in the beginning was like pushing me to react much quicker. Um, But it's all about like compromising and figuring out different people's communication styles and finding a way together that works for both. I love it so much, just the intentionality. And I think that when we do that and we show up intentionally and we do, we choose our words and we get to the root of what we really feel. When we do that, we give ourselves the opportunity to actually grow with our partners through conflict 
and have it strengthen the relationship instead of damage the relationship. Um, so yeah, and I am all about people setting time boundaries around, Hey, I need 10 minutes or I need an hour. The, the rule I have is that you have to come up with a time of when you are going to talk about it so that you don't get in that pattern of, you know, just avoiding, but it sounds like you do that. So I love it. I'm sure our listeners loved you sharing that. Thank you. Yeah. Happy to share. Well, we've talked about a lot of different things today. And I think um, it's just, it's an exciting time with dating apps. There's so many different options. Obviously you shared about, you know, why OkCupid is different in some ways and um, really speaking to people's core values and mashing them in that way, which I think is great. And another thing I want people to know is that the pandemic, the research on that is that it really did impact people in a way where they're clear now on really wanting a relationship, right? Like if you went through the pandemic as a single person, you had some time to think, you <laughs> go numb and distract yourself with substances and your friends. Like you got really clear on your core values. So all the research is pointing to an increase in marriages and people wanting partnerships. And it's a great time to be on the dating apps. It is a great time to be on a dating app. And um, for any of your listeners who are interested in potentially getting on OkCupid after our chat, if you email subscriptions at okcupid.com, I am more than happy to upgrade you to our premium version on us to make it even easier for you. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. That's so generous. All right, y'all. You heard it here. Make sure you send it all over. Um, and is there anything else that you'd want to share with the audience, I guess, about like how they could get in touch with you if they wanted to connect with you? Yeah, um, you can follow me at Michael K PR on Instagram and Twitter. And my DMs are open if you have any comments or questions or just want to chat. I'm here. Oh, I love that. And we'll put it in the show notes as well. Absolutely. Um, and before I let you go, Michael, I always ask every guest this question. If you were walking down the street and you have a random person come up to you and they ask you for your best life advice of the moment, this doesn't have to be like of all time, but like right now, what would your best life advice be for someone? For me, it's going to sound cheesy, but whatever. Um, for me, it would be believe in yourself. I've had a lot of moments, especially over the last few years of self-doubt um, when I'm in a meeting, when I'm on a panel or doing an event or whatever it is that I think, why am I here? Like, do I really belong here next to all these incredible people? And now I tell myself, yes, you absolutely do. You were invited for a reason. You're at that table for a reason. You're in that meeting for a reason. You were brought into that conversation for a reason. So I encourage everyone to believe in yourself because I think when you believe in yourself, you're absolutely bringing your best self to all these experiences. Oh, I love that so much. It absolutely applies to dating and finding your person as well of 
knowing your worth and knowing your value. And one of the affirmations that we have in the community is I am a high value partner, right? Um, So just really knowing that and yeah, believing in yourself in all areas of life. That's always a good message. Well, thank you so much for all of this conversation, for your vulnerability. You know, I appreciate it. I know the audience appreciates it. So you've been an incredible guest. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This has felt like a much needed therapy session. (laughs) (laughs) Good. I love that. Love that. Love that. And of course, everyone, Michael and I are wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. We'll talk to you soon. You guys, thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate each and every one of you. The best way that you can thank me is by sharing this episode on Instagram, Facebook, and making sure that you tag me at Dr. Morgan Coaching. And it would really mean the world to me if you took just two minutes to leave me a five-star review on iTunes. This podcast is not free to produce. And the more that you help this little show grow, the more people will have access to this valuable information. So until next time, I'm wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. Thank you for being part of this community.